Hey Google, play some music. Hello and good morning, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Google Stadia Show. My name is Donnie Reese, and I'm joined today, as I am most episodes, by my friends Jared and Dev. This is episode three, Google I.O., our monthly chronicling of everything Google Stadia. Good morning, Dev. It's early over there. How are you doing? I am doing great. Um, this fine, fine California morning. You just sound <laughs> like morning. If morning had a sound, it sounds like you. Yeah. Jared, how are you doing? You feeling better? Yeah. I'm at the point where I'm I'm like 80% good and I, I got the sexy voice going. So I'm ready what, for a podcast. What's it's going on? Do you have like uh, the flu? Do you have a bug? Is allergies? Um, no, cold. A lot Just of cold. head and chest congestion. It sucks. Do you have, you guys, um, you guys have like pollen out there in California? I'm not like oh, yeah. familiar with California climate. Yeah. Um, where we are. I mean, we do like my wife has allergies. I'm, I don't normally have allergies, um, but we recently took a trip to like central California and my allergies went insane up there. And I think <laughs> because of that, like my immune system was down. And so when I got back, I got super sick. So we do definitely have pollen. Yeah, we absolutely do. I'm in the middle of that. Like he would have passed by me on the way back from central California and where we're at in Bakersfield is like this little bowl. So we get all kind of crap out here we have there's this yeah. thing called valley fever that i had never heard about the valley day. fever that sounds like yeah. something like your your party died from in oregon trail pretty much <laughs> it like literally <laughs> that's pretty much what it is and it's, it's like only in bakersfield so if it's ever like really windy and dusty you gotta bring the kids inside Hang on a second. you have you, you have a virus that's only like in your town <laughs> Yeah, I just and I didn't find out about this until I moved out here. I was like, "Oh man, it's windy. Make sure the kids are inside. You don't want them to get valley fever." I'm like, "What the heck is valley fever?" It sounds like something from like a horror movie. Like you guys yeah. should move. We were in like San Luis Obispo, a Tascadero area, and um, my wife's family out there. They're like, "Yeah, we have something out here called valley fever." So I think it's just all along the central plain mm -hmm. of, of California. I was like, yeah. and I, I experienced it. I mean, I had like a sneezing attack. Caroline would be upset if I didn't mention that here in Georgia, you can basically grab pollen by the handful, like powder. Yeah. You, like, you basically just do the LeBron chalk throw with, with pollen. You just, yeah, you can see it floating in the air and I'm like, everywhere oh, going in my nose. All right. Um, so let's get into the Google Stadia show. That's what everybody's here for. Not Valley Fever podcast. Although I'm going to look into this. I'm definitely <laughs> Googling that later. As mentioned in our last episode this month, Google had their, annual developers conference, Google I.O., a couple weeks ago. And as expected, they talked a lot about Google Stadia. They had they had a gaming show where they mentioned it and where basically it was really focused on like Android gaming, phone gaming, mobile apps. They're doing all cool things with APIs and language conversions and support and stuff, things that you can do as developers. And then they had the Google Stadia tech deep dive, which all three of us watched. We were sending messages back and forth through Discord, not necessarily positive. So really, <laughs> really dry show. Before we talk about the things that people probably care about, I do want to mention that like the jokes that that third act guy came through. I have never, ever witnessed a joke land so flat and so hard in public before. I mean, as a fan of stand-up comedy, 
that was probably the highlight of that entire presentation for me because it took it even took me a minute to realize that he was he had jokes because he he spoke so fast and they were tech jokes but they were deep tech jokes and you could just tell like the the level of people in the audience weren't (laughs) like maybe who he was expecting them to be because once it got i think it's the second or third joke i was like oh He's just saying jokes. He's trying to get a laugh. And it was as quiet as it could be. And I was well, like, this dude is bombing bad. There was one, like, right at the beginning of his his little section where it's, it's like a full two minutes long. It is. It just and it's keeps even, going. And it's even worse the second time. <laughs> and I noticed, too, like, he is, he is tied to his script, whatever script he wrote. Because even at the very beginning when they're all introducing themselves and he's, like, going over his background, he is glued to the monitor. And I'm like, dude, you're just telling everybody about yourself. Why are you looking at a script for this? His delivery was so bad. Poor guy. Uh, he's that was the best part of the show. smart, though. But he's the one that goes over the compression and all that, the super yeah. deep stuff. So let's get into that a little bit. I would say, paraphrasing, when we were watching it, I was as I am most times when I ever encounter these folks stunned with how smart they are. These folks were really, really smart. And the amount of detail that they went into and the amount of testing that they've done, I can only say that if Stadia is doomed to fail, it's, it's not for a lack of trying. They, they, and I, and I really liked one of the things that they led with was they led with all of the problems. And mm-hmm. I think that was a great like way to start that little dive is they've jumped right into it. And they basically, acknowledged all of the naysayer comments and not only did they acknowledge they agreed with them and then they explained why those were hurdles and challenges you know they're like yeah latency is a huge problem and now let me tell you why and, you know like we can have zero latency and the game will run like an 8-bit you know like rom game <laughs> or we can have yeah. tons of latency and it'll look amazing so we, we're trying mm-hmm. to find this this balance and they walk through everything and i was like good on them for owning, you know, like so far, what we've seen in Google Stadia from Google and Phil Harrison is a lot of marketing and a lot of company speak, and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to do this thing. And I was really happy to see them not kind of carry on that mantra. There was a big part of me that was a little, little concerned we were going to get an hour of how awesome we are. You know, like they were just going to talk about how they've solved the world's problems. But uh, Jared, you did more of a deep dive. You went back a second time. <laughs> and grab some talking points. So I'm going to turn it back over to you here. All right. So there's a few that I wanted to talk about. Um, mainly at, at the very beginning, they kind of had like their their focus of um, what Stadia was. Um, obviously, they're their business, so they want to create a product. But their focus when creating it was they called it playability, which is a player's perception of gameplay quality. And they have this picture that talks about all these different things when it comes to streaming games with um, the resolution, the bit rate, the bandwidth of your internet connection, uh, all that goes into the gameplay with smoothness, around reaction times, image quality, video quality, just um, response time, latency, things like that. So this was their focus to make sure that the games are fun for people. And I think that's very important. Um, because they're not just trying to make it work, but they're trying to make it work well enough that it's enjoyable for most people to use. Some of the variables that they talked about when it came to streaming games, not just streaming games, but playability in general, it depends on the game that's being played. If the game's not fun, then the playability is going to be lacking. The controls of the game, 
the resolution, the output screen. If, if you're trying to play a, a 4K capable game on, on a 480p screen, it's not going to be that enjoyable. So all of this came into play because they didn't want to provide this amazing gaming experience over streaming, and then it just turned out like crap. So that was their initial goals when it came to Stadia was giving, ensuring that the experience delivered was consistent, enjoyable, and exactly how the developer intended it. So they didn't want their streaming tech to get in the way of how the developers are creating and, and what they're what they intend the game to be. So they're they're trying to make it as seamless as possible. So I thought that was interesting because they're they're coming at this. They really want to be players in this field. They really want to be a major player in the gaming sphere. I thought it was pretty fascinating when they talked about just latency in general mm-hmm. and how they're trying to aim for, as you already said, good enough. That really seems to be the thing. They're trying to get it to where it's not as noticeable. And they showcase, you know, latency between basically all kinds of objects. Latency yeah. of like your own of your your brain and latency of modern consoles and latency of standard internet and how if the latency falls within a certain range, you don't notice it because you're accustomed to it. Like we've all been conditioned to accept a certain amount of latency. It's when latency gets beyond that control that your mind picks up on it and you start to notice it and it starts to, you know, make a negative experience. So it's crazy. And, and uh, taking that step a little bit forward, you know, they mentioned how they're constantly going to be adjusting the settings mm-hmm. based on players. And I mean, this is what Google does well, right? Big yeah. data churning, you know, algorithms. So as we start playing, if certain games start running latency in certain periods under certain internet conditions, you'd expect them to start putting in rules and things to dial it back, whether that means maybe the game, you know, drops from 1080p to 900p or 720p, you know, to improve these moments of the game. And like all of this will be built in and it's going to be this constant ever growing, you know, back end of sliders that they're moving around to make it work is impressive um, to say the least. Cause that's, I mean, that's what Google does. They, they take this giant amount of data and they find a way to make it work appreciated that like just their dive into like i said the latency like that's that was the one thing that i was really concerned about um with the whole streaming tech and the way they were able to like go into like yeah there's no such thing as zero latency um we are gonna have latency but we're doing all of these things on the back end to try to mitigate that to where it becomes not noticeable and it's playable i think Mm -hmm. that's really really important i think that's something that people are going to really appreciate over time because like you said with google what they do with data is they take the data and they find a way to make things better so i think the fact that they are so concerned as they should be with this and not just you know pushing it to the side and putting it at the forefront like yeah streaming isn't perfect there's all of these different elements that we are working on to improve and we will be continually improving improving upon it. It's just it just really made my day and made me feel that much better about you know where Stadia could be um, after launch. Yeah, and going in a second time and and really kind of researching and understanding a lot of what they were talking about um, boosted my confidence in Stadia that they really care about what's happening and they they understand all of the the facets that go into this because I mean there are a hundred million different variables that happen just in a single frame between the data center and the person that's playing the game. They have to account for the data center itself, the game that's being played, the resolution that's being sent, the the codecs, recoding, decoding everything, the bit rate, the bandwidth, the client servers, the ISPs, 
the player, the screen they're playing on, the device they're playing on, the input, like they're taking all of these things and building algorithms and AI that will decide all of these factors to get the best experience to the player within milliseconds. One of the things that was interesting when they were talking about Project Stream and they were doing all of their testing when they actually went live and let people do it, they were able to take all of this information that they were getting from everybody and improve it on the fly. So people would be playing a game and the next day they would log in and all of a sudden that experience is just better. Like it's, it's faster, there's less latency, the graphics and the resolution are better. And I think that is the most interesting with Stadia is that we never have to worry about the hardware that we're playing on. The gaming experience will just continue to get better. And they mentioned that a little bit at um, the developer conference that it's going to launch at 4K60 or up to 4K60. And then eventually it'll be able to, to do 8K120. So, I mean, things are just going to continue to get better and we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to, other than our, our internet connection, that's literally the only thing we have to worry about. Like a lot of people are still very much worried about that. And that's definitely a concern, but they obviously see that concern. Yeah. And they have developer tools in there where a developer can literally say, okay, I want to simulate an experience on 10 megabits per second as an internet connection and see how my game runs. And, and optimize it for that. They can literally optimize a game for every single type of internet connection, whether you're tied in on a hard line or you're using Wi-Fi or using a mobile device, pretty much any scenario they can optimize for. Like the internet thing, it's just, it's incredible. And it makes you think about all the things that are going on under the hood that you're not even aware of. And the fact that they don't, you don't have to worry about a box makes it that much better because they can optimize just having to worry about the internet, you know? So without having to think, okay, so we got to make it for this box with this particular internet. It's like, yeah, we're, we're just going to worry about, you know, this one variable. We can simulate everything. Everybody's not having to worry about different hardware. Like if it was a PC or whatnot, I have to, okay, worry about AMD and Intel. Da, 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 da. I think it's awesome that, you know, this is what it's running on. And let's see what the internet connections are and we can simulate for all of these different scenarios and, you know, provide the best experience to every single customer. I think it's just absolutely incredible. And I, I'm really, really excited and like itching to see how it launches and where it goes, because I mean, it's it can be a serious game changer if they get this right. They acknowledge all these challenges, all these hurdles. And I'm not going to lie to you. If you if I hadn't played it, if I hadn't tested it during Project Stream. I would probably be sitting here going like, there's just no way like they presented a mountain of evidence as to why this should not work. Like there's so many variables. It's like, man, I don't know, guys, you guys make this sound really hard. <laughs> it sounds like it's going to be very difficult, but I've played it. I've, I've tried it. I, I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey on my computer with the controller streaming and it was fine. So like in to be all played. I know I played it as well. Did, I, did you no, I, I wasn't able to get in. Oh, it was something else. And that was under my last internet contract, which was a slower speed than what I have now. So I'm almost expecting it to be better than ever this go around. And I I'm with you, Dev. I'm excited. Excited to try it. Yeah. They had a, um, a little picture or no, it was from a different um, website. Actually, I forget. I found an article. They were testing it. I think there was like a good, a good 20 seconds of, of latency, like 20 milliseconds of latency that they were able to, when in testing Project Stream versus Stadia, that Stadia was about 20 milliseconds better. 
And uh, and we're talking about what that was at the beginning of this year, right? Yeah. That's only like six months of improvement. Mm-hmm. And that and they said that those were under like wild conditions, like at a coffee shop with 15 megabit speeds. Like so they weren't they weren't like in a controlled environment with Google under a, <laughs> a Google fiber connection. So it, it's good to see that it's constantly improving. And and honestly, I think at this point, listening to this discussion, I'm not really worried about the internet connection. I mean, obviously, if, if you've got crappy internet and it's like three megabits down, you have to worry about it. But I think for the most part, we don't really have to worry about that in terms of what our internet speeds are. I think the biggest concern at this point is data caps. Yeah, man. That was definitely something that I was always weary of because they exist in certain places. And if I wonder how many people don't know they have a data cap. A that's, lot. You think it's probably like the majority of internet users, right? Probably. probably. It depends on if you have a, a like the soft cap and the hard cap. Like you could have a cap where it then just becomes throttled and your internet gets slower. Or you can have a cap where you have an overage. Like I know some people have like a definite hard cap where if you go over this, you're getting charged more. Um, where you have people that have, like I said, the throttling. Like you get to a certain point and it slows down. And you just think about if you're playing a game like streaming at 4K, 60 with also high def audio. I mean, you're talking about like a lot of data. Like I'm I waiting t- for the headline from Kotaku where some <laughs> eight year old streams Fortnite for a week straight. <laughs> and their parents get hit with like a two thousand dollar internet bill. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. I typically go through about a terabyte of data um, a month, and that's just because I stream like everything. And then yeah. when I do play games, it's usually like Destiny or something where it's online, or Anthem where it's online. So, I mean, you can get up there with the data really easily if you're doing Stadia and you're doing like any kind of streaming video service. If you're doing it at the at the higher ends, yeah, mm-hmm. man. It's easy up there in those caps so i'm just i'm wondering how isps are going to take that like oh my god our pipeline they're just taking all this stuff well let's let's go ahead and up it like it, it and or or you know creating fast lanes and slow like it's so just it would I, make I'm sense to start creating a stadia plan you yeah. know like something available for for those folks that want to use it and that's why i locked into we talked about this in discord already but i just locked into a new three-year contract with mine and I did some shopping because there are some faster speeds around. So I'm, I'm currently locked in at 150 um, megs, and which is you know better than what I had before. I think I was on 75. So they doubled it for the exact same price. But I'm locked in for three years with no data caps. So I was like, that's probably a pretty good bet because they don't realize what I'm about to start doing. <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> you got to wonder if they're aware of that at all. I mean... You think about the fact that like cord cutting is becoming bigger and bigger and everybody has a streaming service. Like you got to wonder mm-hmm. if the ISPs are really thinking about that. I mean, I imagine that there's got to be somebody who's like, okay, they're about to start streaming a lot more. What are we, how are we going to monopolize this or monetize this in some way? Like there's got to be somebody, those discussions have got to be having being had right I now. mean, I'm sure that Google has people that are lobbying for this and, and I, I highly doubt that they would launch a service this internet intensive if it was just going to break the internet infrastructure that's currently in place lobbying with the isps and making sure that there's enough bandwidth and even at at the at gdc they they mentioned that they're kind of building their own lines and servers and stuff 
so they don't have to rely on the ISPs as much. There's not as many nodes to jump through. It's just person, ISP, Google. Like there's not a billion different little servers that they have to jump through. If you uh, if you follow the news recently, the the CEOs from Microsoft and Sony just entered into an agreement where Sony will start using the Azure server network for mm-hmm. for PlayStation Now for all of their game streaming, and then they're going to start sharing. You know, they signed an MOU together. I think you see that as validation of what Google's trying to do. And we've said this from the beginning, but just don't forget that it's not just Google. You know, like Google's not the only. It's not like they're out here on an island. They're just they've made noise first. Microsoft yeah. is definitely about to launch xCloud. Sony already has PlayStation now, and it looks like with maybe this move to partner with Microsoft's backbone, maybe they're going to look to rebrand or relaunch or, you know, like this is going to be a focus going forward. Streaming games is going to become a focus. So you have to think not even just Google, that a lot of companies are bringing up these factors, these needs, they're relying on this utility. And yeah, I'm, I'm a, I don't want to go too doomsday on everything, but I'm somewhat scared or at least hesitant to see how this plays out 10 years from now, because ISPs were starting to you know, like with the whole internet regulations and net neutrality and everything. There were a lot of ISPs like, look, we've got to start getting more money from Netflix. Like, you know, like they're making all this money and they are 50% of the internet usage. Like we can't just let them use, you know, all the internet and act like they're equal to everyone else. They're absolutely not. They're not equal to everyone else. So you have to wonder if at some point do, you know, does, Google Stadia partner with AT&T to provide you the best way to Stadia or something like that, like if things like that start coming down the pike down the road. I don't see it any different than, like, yeah, if if they use more, they should pay more to be hosted by the ISPs like that. But I don't think any of that cost should go down to the consumer. Well, it's one of those things where if they, if, if and again, I don't want to go too far doomsday, but if you know, Stadia starts eating up a significant chunk, then maybe Stadia needs to give them some sort of, you know, back-end payment or something. And then if that happens, does then Google up the rates? You know, like, that's how all this stuff starts to work. So I don't know. I don't want to go there. We do. It's just, it's something to think about. I don't, I mean, it's obviously something to worry about, but I don't think it's something we have to truly worry about. Um, Something something they mentioned was that streaming technology is only going to get better with time. Absolutely. And so with advancing technology and the data that they collect, they're going to be able to optimize things better. They're going to be able to use the same bit rate to get a better resolution. So, I mean, things are just... Infrastructure continues to get better. We'll have yeah. faster speeds, more efficient. Yeah, I mean, that's how we used to only be able to take photographs in black and white. Like, this is just technology. This is how it goes. It's always yeah. bigger, better, faster, stronger. So, so, so right now, a, a 4K you know, video on Netflix may take however much bandwidth it takes, but in five years, it could take 50% less of that to do that. So I think as things improve, hopefully we're not just totally reamed (laughs) from the high speeds. Or it could just be Google's master plan to um, be in charge of all the internet and let Google fiber everywhere. They're just going to buy everything. I'm fine with that idea. Like, I, I, <laughs> So Atlanta is a Google Fiber city, but it's basically not available anywhere. They ran into so much red tape with the city. Like, You have to basically live downtown to have it. Here's how much I've thought about that. I've thought about if I was to ever take a job and move, that I'd want to move to a Google Fiber city. Yeah. <laughs> like, select destinations in mind. <laughs> like, mm. If you're going to start over, you might as well start over with gigabit internet. <laughs> That's. I mean, so I, I would be all for that. But yeah, this is branching into conspiracy territory. Like, I don't want to go that way. Well, I don't want to become Stadia truthers. Um, hey, and what's going to happen in, in 10 years, 
Disney is going to own every single production company and streaming service and Google is going to own every, all the internet infrastructure and they're just going to team up as one giant conglomerate to provide us all of our streaming services and needs. Now we're branching into Kyrie Irving territory. So let's, let's <laughs> before we get off Ohio, I wanted to talk about, um, I wanted to ask you guys if there's anything you were hoping to see that you didn't, because obviously we've talked about this for a minute, but none of this is what we were hoping to see. Like we wanted to see something else. Um, a few points that I, kind of remember from that show is they've got to stop showing odyssey yeah like that was like like they are just partnered one-on-one -on -one with odyssey and i get that right you know ubisoft gave them the game for free to beta it and i imagine it'll still be free when they launch you can just play it which is cool they've got to start showing other games they have so singularly focused in on assassin's creed odyssey and it's like i get what they're doing and it's a new game it's a you know well it's not a new game. It's it's a modern game, but that's what I was gonna say. It's old game. You know, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey is old now. You know, like I think it, from public perception, I don't think that's good for the perceptions. You're like, oh, the Google Stadia thing. Oh, they've got Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I already played Odyssey. Like, you know, like I don't think that's the best. I, I was also hoping. I was hoping to see some sort of acknowledgement of a time frame, um, some sort of release window or something. And there was absolutely none of that. And they didn't allude to any next. You know, next talks they did, and in in the arcade, the Android arcade thing, they did say that they had something to talk about in June. Like, like for I believe the whole time up until this point had been summer. They've been saying we have details coming summer. This is the first time. I'm not sure if it was a slip or if they've said it before, and I just didn't catch up on it. I believe this is the first time they've said we have something to say in June. Obviously, we all know of a big showcase and gaming news that happens in June. So I thought that was interesting, but um, not that I expected them to launch. Maybe like I was kind of hoping or thinking that maybe we would hear something about the controller, like the price of the controller, the launch of the controller, like where you can buy the controller, because this was like the developers conference. And a lot of times you'll see that. So like we saw what we got dark mode coming to all Android devices and we got new phones, you know, so like it's not uncommon at Google I.O. to you'll get something, especially on the hardware front especially in the hardware front, you'll hear from Google, hey, we've got new hardware this year and this is what it is. And I was kind of expecting or hoping to see something about the controller. We didn't hear anything. Yeah, I, th I think um, I didn't really expect anything in terms of the pricing and especially the controller because they're not going to be like, hey, here's this $50, $60 controller that you can buy now, but we're not going to tell you how much our service is. I think you could, because we all know, or at least we think we know what the controller is going to cost, right? It's a controller. It looks like a controller. It operates like a controller. We're expecting it to be priced like a controller. So what's mm -hmm. the secret? There's no reason to hold that back. I mean, I wasn't expecting to see any of that stuff either. I, I, I feel like they did say that they were going to have more in June when they initially did the whole rollout announcement. Um, and I just felt like you're going to capture more of the game's audience if you talk about this stuff at during the E3 because that's when people are, you know, they're in tune. Okay, it's E3 is coming around, right? There, there should be news. So I figured that they would give more of that. And this was really just going to be more tech stuff. Um, so I wasn't really expecting to see anything, maybe like some other game running or something like that. Like you said, to get away from Odyssey and just to kind of give, you know, a, another look at something else running on Stadia other than Odyssey. Um, but that was really about it. I mean, I, I didn't expect to see the controller or any kind of interface or anything like that at all. Yeah, I think I think they there's not... I don't think there's any secrecy or anything like that. I think they're just, it's marketing and advertising that 
they probably just want to release all the information at once because make a big big splash. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and I could see like there being bundles like oh, you know, pay buy three months of Google Stadia and, and get a controller for fifty percent off or or something like that. However, their pricing structure ends up being so they probably just want to do it all at once instead of piecemeal. And honestly, Google I/O there's not a lot of people that watch it, especially sure. from the gaming scene. Yeah. So if if they were to do a standalone event or at E3, that's where your audience is. That's that's where your gaming audience is. And if they do a standalone event, they can say, "Hey, we're doing an event on Stadia where we're just we're going to have all of the information, and that's when people who are interested in gaming are going to tune in." But IO, I mean, people like us that are are enthusiasts check it out, but most people don't. I think <laughs> the people that watch it are the people at IO and then the super super nerds. All right, so Let's put a, a cap on that and let's close Google I.O. talk for now. I want to talk about the controller a little bit, but just because we had our announcement show, right, where we talked about everything they showed, and we talked about the controller a bit there with Jared and I, but Dev wasn't there. Plus, there's a lot of things to talk about these controllers beyond just, like, the Stadia pitch. Dev, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think of the controller? Let's start there. What do you think of the controller? Um, I think it looks like... It's really uncomfortable, but uh, <laughs> I think I think, I think is the the controller is really like the piece of resistance. It connects directly to Stadia instead of like the normal hurdles where you have to go through the TV and like by them going from your your modem or router directly to to Stadia that eliminates so much interference and, and latency and everything right there. So I think just that idea and that tech right there. Um, is really, really, really important, and I think that that is going to just you know make eliminate so many, so many issues where you're jumping from this to this to that to this. Like it's just a direct connection, and then it's displayed on your television. So I think that that is really, really awesome. Um, it's interesting that you know you don't have to have a controller. Like if you have, if you're playing on a PC, like you can use any other controller. But I think that to get the the true experience, you're gonna want to actually have. A, a the Google the Google Stadia controller. So I'm just wondering, you know, are there going to be variants of that controller, or is they just going to have just the one and this is it? Like, is there going to be a Google Stadia Pro controller with paddles on the back or some 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 crazy? Oh. Um, so it's kind of curious of that. Like, I'm really excited to see, you know, when they actually roll everything out with the interface, how the controller actually works, and if there's going to be any variants, or if that is even the final model for the controller. What color are you going to get? Red. Well, like there's the white with like the orange sticks, the white with the yellow sticks, and the black. No, I want a red one. I'm gonna find a red one somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Colorware will be able to get you a red one. That's true. That's true. So you mentioned it, it has Wi-Fi and it connects directly to Wi-Fi. There's no Bluetooth adapter in this controller. Have any of you ever tried using a controller like on your Chromebook much or anything like that? I've only used my PlayStation controller like on my laptop for uh, remote play. Yeah, it's just, it's just, but my thing is, it's all hardwired. It's just plugged in. I've never actually had to use it wirelessly. Um, it is a in the ass to use a controller with my Pixelbook because Google uses with well, supposed to like open source Bluetooth. So mm-hmm. nothing actually like really maps well. And even if you do get it connected, like none of the, you know, every, every third party controller has their own way of doing the buttons. So you got to remap everything. And it's, it's just big pain in the ass. And one of the things that got me excited about, Google Stadia is, is what you already mentioned. So it's going to map to your user profile, connects directly with Stadia. Wherever you sign into Stadia, if you turn on your controller, it will follow you. 
So there's no, I, I synced it with this PC. Now I got to unsync it here and go sync it to the other thing. Now I got to sync it to my phone and I got to figure out all these different devices. It'll just turn on. And yeah. I can't tell you how excited I am about that because I think I would play more games on Android if I could easily use a controller. Now this isn't going to do that. This still doesn't have Bluetooth in it. So I'm still not going to be able to play, you know, like the Android play store, but I'm hoping a lot of those games and things like that become available. I, I mean, at some point they've got a, at some point they've got to merge like these libraries, right? So like everything on Google play, you can play via stadia or something like that. Like that's got to happen, right? Just for content purposes. Of is the N64 when everybody had their own controller with their memory card and everything. Yes. Like, <laughs> like it reminds me a lot of that. Are we 100% sure there's zero Bluetooth in this? I believe, that. I believe that's what they've said. There's zero Bluetooth. Yep. So you can use it. I could use it on my Pixelbook, for instance, if I plugged it in. But therein lies the question, just like the other controllers, is how, you know, how's it going to map? How do the games play for that? Like, once you start getting into that, it's not as good. I was kind of hoping that's where I wanted to kind of go with it. I was kind of hoping that maybe the Android app presentation during IO, I was kind of hoping that they were going to say everything on the Android store and you could play via Stadia. Because I would totally whip out a controller if I could just press on and hit play. And mm -hmm. I could play, you know, like Madden Mobile or mm -hmm. Vice City or any of those, like, you know, Asphalt, any of those games that are on mobile platforms. I'd play more of them if it was easier. Um, I still don't know if I plug this in, how it's going to work. Plus, the Pixelbook didn't have USB, you know, so like, and they don't plug in USB C. So I, I got to get, they're not now I got to get an adapter, which I've got one. But you see what I'm saying? That's where yeah. I just quit. Like, that's the the barrier. I'm like, screw it. <laughs> I yeah. just grab my Switch and play game. There. I just, yeah. I, I wonder how seamless it's going to be because, like, when you're at home and you've, you've got the controller and it's connected to Wi Fi or however it works and you, you're playing games and you're switching between your Chromecast and your desktop computer and your Chromebook, well, when you're out and about, like you say you just want to play a game on the train or a bus or at work or whatever, how is the controller connecting to it's whatever gotta, internet connection? It would have to connect Wi-Fi or you would have to connect it manually. Well, or... that's, what I'm, that's what I'm wondering is can you connect it Bluetooth to your controller and it works that way, like when you're out and about? Because you, if, if your phone is using whatever t-mobile or verizon or sprint to connect and stream the game what is the controller using you i mean i guess you could run a hotspot to your controller but that just seems it doesn't seem as seamless as they're trying to achieve yes yeah, yeah. maybe you could tether from your phone to your controller but i mean that's from what i understand and i've got some tabs open i'm looking i don't believe there's a bluetooth adapter in the controller at all yeah so how does it know what device you're playing on? If it's just connecting directly Wi-Fi, how does it know where it's going to map to wherever you connect to? So let's say, so like the home button on the Stadia controller launches Stadia, right? So like you sign in and let's say you click on the app on your Roku. Like Stadia knows you've just logged in over here. So you're going to start playing. And it's going to start sending the signal there. Remember when they did the presentation, they walked from the Pixel book to the PC to the phone and all that. It's going to be wherever you like sign in next wherever you click into like here it is but jared it's a good point and i like you that's kind of what i was hoping about i i would prefer that they had some sort of bluetooth interface so it could just be my controller whether i'm running games locally or stadia or cloud or whatever but um i don't know and i i can't find it out but it's interesting this controller is um i like it so dev it's got your playstation stick layout 
Yeah, buddy. Different colors. There have been a lot of hands-on impressions if you go check out. like So the tabs I've got open are 9 to 5 Google, Android Police, and The Verge. They all mention how similar it feels in the hand to like the Xbox One controller, which is perfect. By the way, like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I'd rather lean towards the Xbox feel than the PlayStation. Yes. So it's got the um, heft, and it's got like kind of that scored plastic. I just wanted to go back real quick on Dev's point about how it knows which device you're playing on. I don't think the controller knows. The controller doesn't care. The controller is yeah. just interacting with Stadia. Um, Stadia is just deciding, oh, he turned on the screen on this computer, so we're going to start pushing the video feed to to this laptop. And Oh, he turned on his Chrome ta- Chromecast, so we're going to push the feed over there. Because even in their live demo, as soon as they started playing on one, the other one just stopped. Yeah. It just yeah. kind of froze in place. I think that's good because now you're eliminating bandwidth. <laughs> it's like they're not not trying to put seven different <laughs> streams in, into one place. And as you already mentioned, you, you know, to use this on your TV, which I think that's probably how most of us are going to use it, right? To use this on your TV, you got to have a Chromecast. Yeah, definitely. So they should have bundles for those together. So I imagine the... I imagine we'll get like the controller be 60 bucks and then your controller and a Chromecast will be 100 bucks. And maybe they have like one with a, you know, a bundle with with time for more than that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's probably going to be like Black Friday, a hundred dollar bundle for oh, a Chromecast, a controller, and a Google Home Mini or something. And like I mean, now, I- you, now you can play Assassin's Creed with just your voice. As far as the controller is concerned, I like it. I mean, it looks like. They took all of the controllers and melded them into one kind of <laughs> controller. Yeah. Um, it's very generic. Would, you know, it's very like there's something here for everyone. Like it has yeah. like the hat and everything. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there are two things that I don't really care for. I like, I don't like the sticks together. I prefer the offset sticks and then the triggers. The triggers look more like PlayStation 4 triggers than they do um, like Xbox triggers. They, they kind of look like they go underneath the controller like the playstation 4 does like they don't butt up against something but they kind of fold into it Mm -hmm. those are my only two complaints um but i mean i still play my ps4 it's not like i hate it it's just not my preferred um but other than that everything looks solid like even the d-pad looks interesting buttons Um, look clicky kind of has like mm -hmm. that switch pro controller button layout yeah i like i like that they kept their um kind of hardware touch to it where they've got the little pop of color. All their phones have that. They're, you've got your white phone with the little orange button, white controller with the orange sticks underneath mm-hmm. it. So that's pretty neat. Everything's uniform. So that that was kind of the stuff that I was hoping to hear, Google I.O. It would have been nice to hear more functionality about the controller if they talked about it and really maybe answer some of those questions. But you know, my assumption is that it doesn't have Bluetooth and you're not going to be able to use it for those other types of things. So like you're you're your scenario, bring it up, connecting to the phone. I've actually never thought about it. It's a good one. Um, I wonder if they'll have some sort of touch interface like xCloud. They, I feel like they kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see like if you're sitting in Starbucks and there's you open the Stadia app and you're connected to the Starbucks Wi-Fi and it'll just send that information to the, the controller and now your controller is connected to the Starbucks Wi-Fi. But if you're moving or on the go or just using your phone's internet connection, I just don't see how that would be seamless in yeah. any way. Uh-huh. Other than Bluetooth, 
unless you do like a hotspot, but now you're talking about another thing that people have to have because not every single um, phone ISP offers unlimited hotspot. Sure. Yeah, I figure. I mean, it's got to be a hotspot. I mean, if the controller doesn't have Bluetooth, then it connects directly through Wi-Fi. Like, I mean, it's got to be the hotspot idea, and then it just it displays on your phone. And that makes. Again, this is networking is not my thing. So if this is really stupid, I'll cut it out. Could it be like some sort of local connection? I don't know how you do that, like non Bluetooth, but I, I know like 3DS, for example, I'm pretty sure it doesn't have Bluetooth in it, but like 3DS devices can talk to each other because they both have like a similar network. But if it has like a Wi Fi adapter, could it create like a local connection with your phone? It, it could. You can do Wi Fi direct. Um, the problem with Wi Fi direct is send your signal through your phone's internet back to Stadia. The, the problem with Wi Fi direct, though, is, is when two phones connect w- with Wi Fi, they're connected to each other. So, like, I can do it with my phone and my camera. I can connect them via Wi-Fi to each other anywhere because they're using each other's Wi-Fi signals to transfer the data. But the problem is um, once they are connected that way, the phone can no longer connect to the Wi-Fi router because gotcha. it's now using that Wi-Fi Internet connection. So I, I And that would I still introduce, if they did that even my way, you're still introducing, like, latency and things that you didn't have before. Yeah, so. I, don't, I don't know if maybe there's a, a way to... Like if you're using your phone's internet connection via your your mobile ISP, and then also using Wi-Fi Direct to send that signal over. Um, so rather than using Bluetooth and then your your mobile data, you use your mobile data and then Wi-Fi Direct, and so you're you're connecting directly with the phone, which is connecting with Stadia. So I could see that working, and that would be a little bit easier than trying to connect the controller to whatever Wi-Fi you're connected to. I could see you know, that it would introduce a little bit more latency, but I don't think it would be terrible. It would be less than Bluetooth. I said, right, Anton, I just plug in the controller into the phone? I, I, I mean, know. can you? Yeah. <laughs> it's got a USB-C connection, so I imagine that, I mean, you're going to be launching Stadia from an app on your phone, so maybe it recognizes the controller as being plugged into your phone. I've never yeah. tried connecting my controller to my phone like that. I've tried connecting my controller to my PC like that, and it doesn't connect there. I mean, not my PC, my my, my Pixelbook, because it's yeah. got USB-C ports, but it just charges the controller. It doesn't recognize them as devices. Yeah, remote play could be hacked and put on any Android device that wasn't Sony. I directly connected the PS4 controller to the phone, and it would recognize it, no problem. Nice. Well, then yeah, that's probably it definitely t- depends on the controller and what um, what capabilities it has. As far as the Stadia controller, they they showed it plugged in when they were doing their demo and they were switching back and forth. Yeah, there was one section where they plugged in the controller. So, and and I'm not discounting that. I fully expect that to happen, where you can just plug the controller into your phone and, and play. But I'm thinking just like making things as seamless as possible without needing to plug something in. Yeah, and, and that's probably, you're absolutely right, Deb. That's probably the way it's going to happen. If you're on the move, like that, you're probably just going to plug it in, which is fine. I'm fine with that. I expect them to come out with some sort of, like, controller mount. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh so it's like, for sure. Especially if you have a Pixel phone. It's like, here's our Pixel mount that connects to the Stadia controller, and you put your Pixel 3 in it, and you connect via USB-C, and you're good to go. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen. They have those for... The switch and it looks ridiculous. It's like the damn tether pole sticking <laughs> up off the air. I definitely had one of those for my PS4 controller and, and my phone back when I was doing remote play. 
definitely yeah. one of those. Now that you've brought it up, now I'm going to be constantly thinking like, how do you use it on the go? Is it just plug it in or can we do it any other way? Like I'm going to be laser focused to see if this thing has Bluetooth or not. But just one more comment. I think the whole pro the whole thing with Stadia is options, whatever device you want to use, whatever controller you want to use. Um, and so I, I think that'll be the same with kind of on the go. It's not going to be like you have to connect it hardwired. There's a got to be other options. Otherwise yeah. it defeats the purpose. If you're like, oh, at home, I've got a million different devices and options, but on the go, I can only use Stadia and I can only do it hardwired. Like that doesn't seem to make sense to me. I'm, I'm not really, personally, I'm not really anticipating using this on the go so much. Like in my mind, I'm not like, man, I can't wait to pull up my controller, my phone, you know, on the car. Like as I move through, like I'm kind of thinking if I'm going to use Stadia, it's probably going to be at home or at the office or if I'm like in a hotel room, it's going to be somewhere stationary with wi-fi so i haven't really thought of like, like it's not i'm not really looking at it as an answer of, of portability you still gotta carry the controller and have a you know a laptop screen or a phone screen or something like that so um i'm gonna play it on the go for sure i mean because i i bring my switch to work all the time and play on my breaks so that's not like you know what i'm saying like you're not moving you're just at work yeah, but my main concern and the reason I brought this up is because at work we have protected Wi-Fi. Like, Ooh. we can connect to it, but they like block everything related to gaming. So like, you can't even go to like Nintendo's website. It's like, <laughs> oh, we block this. It's specifically for you. Yeah, so they're, I'm sure they're gonna block the Stadia servers. <laughs> nice. So I'm gonna have to use my phone. So though technically I'm I'm stationary, I'm still gonna have to use my phone's internet connection. Yeah, so I'm just wondering how that all is going to work. And I think that's that's one thing we know about xCloud that I have no idea what they're doing in terms of scaling for different devices. You know, something I heard back with people that went hands-on, you know, like the, the, the phone doesn't look as great because it's basically just taking a 1080p huge picture and making it smaller. It's hard to read. So they probably need to work on like some sort of adaptive UI and things for that. And yeah. touchscreen, like touchscreen controls, well, as much as I'm never going to use yeah. them, that, I mean, that's it's it fits for this type of thing. Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> if you use touchscreen controller, yeah. like, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I would right. never do it. But Just I'm watch a movie. But I mean, it's um, a, it, it's a solution, you know. Along those lines, I, I just I wonder, like when PlayStation has theirs and and Xbox has XCloud, do you have to? Are you going to have to own an Xbox or a PlayStation to be able to stream those games? I like, think that stream from the Xbox or they use separate servers. And if they use separate servers, does that mean you can use like other devices without owning their boxes? Yes. I think the idea behind, I definitely, definitely the idea behind X cloud. And I would suggest the idea behind PlayStation now, even though they've kind of taken it back a little bit is the proliferation into new markets and they're trying to get their apps and things out there. So I do think with X cloud, I think you'll see an app, as I've already said, at E3, I expect it to come to Switch, but I expect that app for, for sure to come to smart TVs. You'll be able to use it on PC. And I know that's where like PlayStation was. So like they kind of branched out into, um, you know, the TV market. It was available on some smart TVs and you can still use it with uh, PC. So I only imagine as they launch and actually try to create these evergreen things that they come to other devices. So you should be yeah. able to stream PlayStation games on having a PlayStation. I think, I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, there's, there's just, there's so many variables. Cause I know with, with remote play, do you need a PlayStation yeah. for yeah. that? Yes, you need a PlayStation because it connects directly to your PlayStation. Yeah. But with 
PS Now, you 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 can have that on the PC and not have to have a PlayStation. It's just a streaming service, so you don't need a PlayStation for that. So I imagine that going forward with whatever xCloud is or whatnot, there may be some kind of subservice where no, you don't need a PlayStation. You just have the streaming and whatever games are there. The difference being with PlayStation Now, the new games that you would buy a PlayStation to play are not available, and we don't know what the case is with Xbox. Like, is every game just going to be able to be streamable via xCloud? I, I would I would lean to say yes. I don't think Microsoft's going to try to gate off their... their Like, it just doesn't seem to be their strategy right now. Their strategy seems to be, if you want to buy a box to play locally, you can. But if you don't, we have these alternatives for you. So, And so that means if if you own a box but also want to be able to stream your games, you might have another streaming Feed. cost on top of it. Yep. And, I, and I think that's where Stadia has an advantage. I mean, you could you could obviously just not buy an Xbox or a PlayStation and just stream all their games. But if you, if you want that local experience, you still need to buy their box. This might be a better topic save for next month after E3, because I, I kind of dove into a little bit of this on empire on the mm-hmm. network this week. I, I wonder what Xbox can do to get people using the streaming stuff. Um, because I think once they slap a fee on top of it, I think it becomes infinitely harder to get people on board. There'll always yeah. be the diehards that do it, but I, I'm, I'm concerned like if they're like it's 20 bucks and that's where i was kind of going if you're an xbox live ultimate subscriber you get a certain amount every month or if you pre-order a game you can stream that game for five or ten hours so the thing that i keep pushing with xcloud is i think they're going to try to focus on the install time for games and they're going to say you don't have to wait for call of duty to install to play it you can stream it right away while your game downloads in the background i think that's kind of uh, i think that might be the pitch but how do you do that because the moment you monetize that becomes much less attractive right if you could do it instantly like that's awesome but the moment you're like but it's gonna cost you 20 dollars you're like i'll just wait for the game to install (laughs) yeah i but i think like even at their their xbox is it inside xbox or whatever Mm -hmm. their their show Mm -hmm. is um you know when they showed xcloud they were playing on a phone so obviously they're pushing the play anywhere sure, aspect sure. of it. And so. that's what we were thinking about. Like there's got to be some sort of bundle or inclusion thing. I was thinking about like, maybe they give you a certain amount of time every month included, like with your other subscription. And then like, maybe if you go over that time, you have to pay more. I don't know. I, I think it's probably the most interesting thing about xCloud. Cause right now there's a lot of people excited about xCloud, but nobody knows like what, what it's going to cost. And that might really tone down the excitement. Dev, I got your comment, man. Thank you for joining the show. You got to run. We're about to wrap up here anyway, so appreciate it. See ya. But speaking of that, let's go ahead and close out. I wanted to ask you about E3. You know, like you were on the Nintendo show, so you got a lot of your Nintendo predictions in, but is there anything else you're looking for in at E3? Could be Stadia related, could be non-Stadia related. I'll just keep it Stadia. I mean, I I think there's a chance that they'll show up. Um, I don't know if it'll be like an official capacity that they have their own conference or or booth or whatever we we do have the floor layout that's been approved and final and they've been putting it out there and stadia yeah. has on the floor so but they I could don't think we'll have any like hands-on with stadia at e3 yeah so i mean they could surprise us and be like oh we're gonna have a a streamed they could have like a back room thing you know they could have a little press event in like a in a meeting room that that's definitely mm-hmm. something they could have or maybe their own Google Direct during E3. They could have something on YouTube. 
um, I don't know, in some capacity they could show up, or even if it's just as simple as uh, they're on somebody's stage or somebody announces a game and, oh, it'll be on, available on Stadia. Ubisoft. Which was interesting. Ubisoft or Bethesda's conference, right? Yeah, because we already know Doom Eternal and mm -hmm. obviously Assassin's Creed Odyssey and um, Ubisoft has gone on record saying that a lot of their upcoming games will be on Stadia, but they didn't say anything about Ghost Recon, um, the new one. They didn't say that. And, and so I just wonder if they're, Google's asking them to be silent for now until they can kind of reveal everything all at once. And instead of trickling, oh, this game will be compatible and this game will be compatible, it's like, here's all the pricing and here's all the games you get to play all at once. Sure. And I, th I think that'll be a lot better for selling the product than just, oh, we're randomly going to have this game on it. I think making an announcement on Ubisoft stage makes sense just to kind of remind people that they're there and then maybe mm -hmm. saving the details until like the week after and then yeah. doing like their own thing because they've got a lot to say. It's going to be somewhat complex. They got a lot of different business models and things like that. And I think getting it mixed up with all the other news is, would be a misstep. But I think they should be there. They should announce something. And maybe that's it. You know, they show up and say yeah. you can play Ghost Recon or you can play Doom. If you could play Doom Eternal, you know, like day and date with Stadia, like if they maybe they launched around it, like if they made it kind of like Odyssey, where it's like mm -hmm. free, free to play or something, that, that'd be a huge announcement. Like I would be excited for that. Yeah, it could. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't expect them to be there, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see or hear of Stadia mentioned. Phil Harrison will be there. He'll say something. Yeah, because I mean, you can't. I mean, I guess you could. They're Google. They're huge. They can do whatever they want. But I feel like you can't pass up E3 with your new gaming service trying to make a splash and then just have no mention whatsoever. Oh, yeah. 100% with you. Yep. At some point, they'll come out and they'll say something. They'll announce a game or two. They'll say something and then maybe save the details, which I think is still going to annoy like the gamer press. You know, but they'll, we'll eventually get the rollout. But I think they they got to start talking to us soon. You know, mm -hmm. like I mean, they're, they're, gonna fall, like they're running out of time. They got to start getting pricing options, shipping, because you think um, I don't know if this is going to be like pixel books and things like that. But there, there could be like a Google store exclusive on the controller for a while You know, before mm -hmm. it starts hitting store shelves and things like that. So it could be hard to get a hold of. Yeah, I wonder, like, because if, if they're, let's say they launch Stadia in, in October, um, like October 1st or whatever, are they, I wonder if they're going to start selling the controllers early so you can have the controller by the time yeah. the service launches. Because, I don't know, I, f I feel like the experience could be soured by people if they're like, oh, I ordered a controller and I'm trying Stadia because it just launched, but this it's not as good of an experience because you're using whatever controller you have lying around. Mm -hmm. But at sense. the same time, I, I can't imagine the Google Stadia controller being that much better in terms of like latency and connection because if you if it's only good enough to play with the stadia controller that kind of defeats the whole purpose sure of it. sure like i no. feel like it has to be good enough with whatever device you're using that's a fair point they could do a betas without launching the controller but i think it would make sense i think it would make sense to do like a, a slow rollout so you you launch the service you you let people bring their own controller. You launch the controller, but maybe the service isn't like fully up yet. Maybe you can mm -hmm. launch the app. Maybe there's like two or three games there, right? But the launch day is November first, where a hundred games are going to show up or something like that. Yeah, and and at the same time, if you launch it, 
like, unless you're diehard like us, you're probably not going to buy the controller. You're just like, let me test out the service first. Absolutely. So 100% people are just want to try it out first. The experience has to be good enough to make them want to buy the controller. That's where I think launching with a game that people can play for free makes a lot of sense. Maybe it's still Odyssey, but mm-hmm. I, I'm still fine with that. Maybe it's still Odyssey, but yeah, having a game that people can just try the day it comes out makes a lot of sense. They're going to show up in Nintendo's Direct and announce a Stadia app for the Switch. That would be <laughs> awesome. That would be awesome. That would be really, really cool. I don't think so, but that would be dope. That would be dope. That's my prediction. All right. So with that, we'll go ahead and close it for this month's show, the Google Stadia show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to us. If you follow us on Twitter, we changed our podcast handle. So if you've been following us for the last couple of months, we are now Stadia Podcast. But and then I'll just have to say goodbye for Devin because he had to run. His kids woke up, so he had to get up and take care of the kids. So you can follow him at DevAtias on Twitter. And uh, also obviously, you can hit me up at Play Nintendo and uh, hit us up in our Discord at psvg.blog slash Discord. And Jared, where can people follow you? Um, I'm most active on, well, in the Discord, of course, but also on Twitter at Highly Intelligent, Highly in like Zelda, Intelligent without the in. Yeah, follow me on there. I think I, think I make good tweets. That's it for our show. I look forward to... Uh, seeing and wrapping up any news that comes out next month hopefully fingers crossed get the stadia unveiling and pricing and controllers and we can have a little bit more to talk about exciting times exciting times all right that's it for us see ya bye